Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. Everybody loves the touchdown. Rolls to the back of the end zone and it is The grand slam. Fly ball to center field. Ethier has done it again. It's a grand slam. The buzzer beater. Gets it to LeBron for three for the win. But how did those players get to that moment? And who built the venue and signed the contracts? Each week, we dig into the business side of sports and give you the answers. This is Sports Business Radio. Now, from our studios in Portland, Oregon, with Sports Business Radio, here's your host, Brian Berger. Well, thanks for checking out the only show in the country dedicated to covering the business side of sports. Glad you could join us this week. In our next segment, it's the Sports Business Radio Headlines of the Week. News from the NBA, conference realignment in college sports, all coming up in our next segment in Headlines. In segment three, it's Sam Amick with SI.com. He's their NBA insider. We'll discuss the latest from the NBA labor negotiations. Not great news this week if you're an NBA fan. We'll discuss that with Sam Amick from SI.com in segment three. In segment four, it's Jason Cole, NFL insider for YahooSports.com. We'll discuss some NFL goings-on, some fines this week, some things being done to protect players, uh, some concussions, lots of things going on. Which are some of the teams that are surprising in the early NFL season? We'll discuss all of that with Jason Cole from Yahoo Sports coming up in segment four. Visit our Sports Business blog or download the SBR podcast on demand. Just go to sportsbusinessradio.com. You can follow me on Twitter at SB Radio. Just pass follower number 4,000. So thank you for all of the people following us on Twitter. Joined, as always, by Grizzle 22 on Twitter, Brian Griggs. Griggs, how are you? Doing good, doing good. Enjoying the NFL season already. It's been fun so far. It has been fun. And hey, uh, it doesn't look like we're going to have NBA anytime soon, <laughs> no. so we might as well enjoy football <laughs> yeah, while exactly. it's here. Yeah, yeah, NBA is not looking good. But uh, yeah, some surprising teams in the NFL so far. The game I'm looking forward to this weekend, the Patriots and the Bills, a battle of the undefeated. Are the Bills for real? We're going to find out this weekend as they host the Patriots in Buffalo. I'm Brian Berger, and you're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. This is SBR. Back with more after this. No, I won't back down. You can stand me up at the gates of hell, but I won't back down. No, I stand my ground. Won't be turned. It's the age of new media and citizen journalism. Everyone with a smartphone and a flip cam is a reporter and everything is on the record. I'm Brian Berger, host of Sports Business Radio, and I team with former Nike executive Lee Weinstein to form media training company Everything is on the Record. With a combined 40 years of experience dealing with the media and helping our clients craft authentic messages, we'll help you navigate the tricky media landscape that exists today. Everything is on the Record has provided media training to pro and college athletes, 
coaches and executives, as well as to government leaders and CEOs. We'll teach you how to break through the clutter with your messages, and we'll also assist you when you find yourself in crises. It's time for an innovative new approach to media training that best fits the world we live in today. For more information about Everything is on the Record, visit us online at everythingisontherecord.com. Contact us today to learn more about our innovative approach to media training and how we can meet your specific needs. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at everythingisontherecord.com. It's time, baby. Special News Bulletin. At Sports Business Radio, we're always on top of what's happening in the world of sports. And each week, we break down the stories you need to know about. This is Headlines. I want to be in the headlines. On Sports Business Radio. Sports Business Radio. It's time for this week's Sports Business Radio Headlines of the Week. Headline number one, it's a big one. The NBA announced on Friday that player training camps for the 2011 2012 season have been postponed indefinitely because a new collective bargaining agreement has not been reached. And the NBA Players Association and the NBA, who met this past week, Griggs, they've not been able to come to terms on anything. Not really a surprise. Training camps were scheduled to open on October 3rd. The league canceled all preseason games from October 9th through the 15th. And I think this is a message from the NBA owners saying we're not messing around. Players, we've got all the leverage. Come make a deal with us or we're going to cancel things in quick order next. It'll be the regular season. Yeah, I think you're right. I think this big this press release, this actually happening, is saying that, saying, hey, guys, we're, we're for real here. We want to make this happen. You guys, it's on your plate now. And, uh, yeah, it, 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 you see reading that press release, though, it's kind of depressing. You knew it was coming kind of, but it's like, ugh. There's the dagger. Well, and here's the sad thing, too, is now, for the first time, we're going to see real job losses, real money lost. Even though they're preseason games, the gate attendance, the parking lot attendance, the restaurants. Look, I know for a fact, because I used to work for the Blazers, there are teams that have gone, they've mapped out what it looks like in a 3, 6, 9, and 12-month scenario where you miss games. Are there furloughs where people take reduced pay? Do you have layoffs? Now, this is going to start to become very real for teams, for executives around the league, for the people that are in and around the business of the NBA, and it's all sad stuff. Our next headline, conference realignment. Last weekend, Syracuse and Pitt leave the Big East, and they head to the ACC. We already know Texas A&M wants to go to the SEC, It looked like the Pac-12 and Commissioner Larry Scott and Texas and Oklahoma and Oklahoma State, Texas Tech, they might make a deal. But then midweek, Pac-12 comes out, says the president's voted. That's not happening. Then Big 12 Commissioner Dan Beebe resigns after Oklahoma had said, if we're going to stay in the conference, we want Beebe out. Griggs, all kinds of happenings on the college sports landscape this week. Yeah, it was crazy just following that stuff and watching everything. It's like, okay, who's playing where? What's doing this? Who's saying this? It was, a, yeah, it was a crazy week off the field in college football. And uh, yeah, I, I just it's interesting how it all goes down and the business side of it and and the money that pushes behind it. Definitely. Well, so the interesting thing is going to be now what happens to Texas because Texas comes with the Longhorn Network. And the reason that the Pac-12 didn't want to bring Texas in is because there wouldn't have been equal revenue distribution. Texas didn't want that. 
Well, the other 15 members of the conference said, sorry, that's not going to work for us. Right now, Texas gets that in the Big 12. They're the big fish in a small pond. Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, they're not happy that there's unequal revenue distribution. So what happens to Oklahoma now? What happens to Texas? It's going to be pretty interesting. Uh, Our final headline of the week, I thought this was funny. Rapper Luther Campbell formerly of Two Live Crew, such an upstanding citizen. He sues Nevin Shapiro. You may remember Nevin Shapiro, the Ponzi schemer tied to all the corruption at the University of Miami. He's suing him for slander. And he's suing him, Griggs, for $15,000. I mean, (laughs) sue him for like a million dollars. If you're going to go to the trouble of suing him, 15 grand won't even cover his legal fees. Yeah, he's not going to make a dime on that. He's going to be paying out just to pay for the legal fees. That's crazy. I I just don't get it. (laughs) I don't get it. You know, we talked last week about the Serena Williams fine. It's $2,000. You're suing someone for slander for 15 grand. I'm not saying be a gold digger, but if you're going to do something, do it. If you're going to find someone... Send a message. If you're going to sue someone, send a message. Not $15,000. Plus, it'll probably get tossed out very quickly. I mean, does Nevin Shapiro even have any money anymore? It's like trying to get blood from a turnip, as my mom would say. Forget it. It's not going to happen. All right. Coming up next, it's NBA insider Sam Amick from Sports Illustrated. We'll talk about the latest from the NBA labor front. And then after that is Jason Cole from Yahoo Sports. We'll talk some NFL with him. I'm Brian Berger, and you're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be back. Sports Business Radio talks to the people who call the shots in the world of sports. Brian Berger goes one-on-one with the biggest names. My guest is David Stern. He's the commissioner of the NBA. It is always a pleasure, Brian. Bill Hancock, he's the executive director of the Bowl Championship Series. I'm happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Dallas Mavericks owner Mark Cuban. Mark, thanks for joining me. My pleasure. My guest is Mickey Loomis. He's the executive vice president and general manager of the world champion New Orleans Saints. Pleasure to be with you guys. Mr. Allen, thanks for joining me. Thank you. My guest is Mark Emmert. He's the president of the NCAA. Oh, happy to join you. My pleasure. My guest is Eric Spolstra. He's the head coach of the Miami Heat. Brian, appreciate it. Glad to to be on the show. Mr. Nicholas, it's an honor to have you on Sports Business Radio. Thanks for joining us. My pleasure, Brian. Visit sportsbusinessradio.com and subscribe to our free iTunes podcast. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter and stay connected to the business side of sports only with Sports Business Radio. Back to Sports Business Radio with Brian Berger. We're back, and I'm joined by Sam Amick from SI.com. He's the NBA insider. Sam, how are you? Doing great, Brian. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm I'm following on Twitter during the show that it looks like we're going on a little over four hours that the two sides have been meeting in a hotel room in Manhattan. Give us the latest on what they might be discussing. Well, I mean... Today is, uh, is, you know, like we've been saying every week, is a key day. Um, you know, you got the heads of both sides, uh, David Stern, Billy Hunter, and all the influential parties involved. Um, and I think it's important because my understanding, <clears throat> excuse me, going into this week was that the uh, the lawyers and the you know the money guys would get together on Wednesday. But if they got together on Thursday, you know, with their respective heads of state, that uh, that would indicate. You know, certainly not an agreement, but uh, some understanding regarding where the conversation was going, and then most specifically on the owner's side, and as David Stern indicated last week, you know, some willingness to negotiate a hard cap. So, you know, the uh, if I'm looking at it optimistically, I would say, you know, maybe they, they get some progress on that front. 
Um, but obviously, as always, it can go the other way, too. So with a hard cap, you know, we've heard there's great opposition by the players to a hard cap. But then we've also heard that maybe if you phase in a hard cap over a, a five to seven year period, it gives teams time to prepare for that day. And, and maybe you could sell that to the players. Do you think that's something that uh, they might buy into if it's a phased hard cap? I think some of them. And then, you know, as we've already seen, the owner side is trying to get, you know, call it clever or cute and put a different name on it, you know, call it a flex cap, even though it kind of is like a hard cap. But, you know, I would envision a cap system that's not going to be, you know, the, the buzzword throughout this entire labor situation has been draconian. You know, the owners were draconian. They're not going to get their draconian hard cap. I could see the players agreeing to something that, you know, that uh, solved a lot of the problems that the owners see in terms of competitive imbalance and, and things like that, and, and certainly would come with, uh, you know, I think guaranteed contracts will survive, but they're going to be shorter and less guaranteed than before. Um, you know, in general, to your question, I, I think the players have shown a pretty serious willingness to, to at least discuss anything and everything and, and really to give in on a decent amount of, uh, of key items. So, I mean, yeah, I think, you know, they're going to at least talk about that. For the last several months, I've talked to people around the NBA, and you know we had heard about revenue sharing, and that there was possibly a fracture with the big market and the small market owners. The owners weren't on the same page with revenue sharing. That's become more of a hot-button issue. Where are we with the owners being on the same page with revenue sharing? And then I'm also seeing that... You know, the players want to see, okay, if you are going to revenue share, what is that going to look like? Because that's going to factor into what this deal ultimately looks like. Yeah, without question. I mean, the players, their number one complaint, excuse me, and, uh, and the union, too, when it comes to revenue sharing is, you know, you look out at 2016, the NBA is going to have a new national TV deal that everybody expects to be incredibly lucrative, things like that. You know, the players in the union want to make sure that gets discussed and brought into the fold. That's, you know, relatively right around the corner. Um, you know, I don't know what form it's going to take. I know that there's been serious progress the last couple of weeks on that front. You know, Stern came out and said that uh, they're talking about a system in which you'd have, you know, three times the amount of revenue sharing as they had before. Um, but, again, it just kind of goes back to how extreme of a measure are the owners going to take. You know, if they do, in fact, uh, you know, you've, there's been stories that the Lakers and Jerry Buss, you know, that he's on board with revenue sharing, but he, he wants that hard cap to give him, you know, just you know, wild profits to, to justify his revenue sharing, things like that. So um, that's a key component. I don't entirely understand why they waited so long to address it, even privately. It doesn't seem like they were having those discussions on the league and ownership side, um, and, and I think they wasted time because of that. Uh, they consistently act like it was this, you know, separate issue on a sidetrack when, you know, everybody knew all along it was going to come into play at some point. We're joined by Sam Amick of SI.com and NBAconfidential.com. How surprised were you, Sam, that only 35 players showed up to the meeting in Las Vegas last week with Billy Hunter and I guess Demora Smith made a guest appearance, but only 35 guys show up? I was uh, probably in the minority uh, voice on that, Brian. I, I, you know, certainly it was less than I thought it was going to be. I wasn't as up in arms or, or shocked by it, um, I think, as some other Media folks, I mean, I always was, you know, of the mind that it was connected to, uh, you know, how many guys were going to be training at the Impact Academy in Vegas. I didn't envision more than a handful of guys flying in for the sole purpose of, of uh, going to the meeting. Uh, you know, the number that we had all reported was 
approximately 70 are expected. So certainly, you know, half of that is significant. Um, you know, more anecdotally, the stuff that jumped out at me was uh, Paul Pierce was a guy that, that uh, there had been some buzz that he was going to be coming in, and, and that didn't take place. Um, you know, and, and then the subplot there, and not to speak for Paul because I don't know where he's at, but uh, and I hope I'm right in this. I think he's an Arntellum guy, but I it sounds like Paul has, you know, some serious frustrations with the union, and, and maybe that came into play in terms of him not uh, being in attendance. You know, other stuff, I, it's funny, I went back to the, the Vegas uh, Academy after the meeting when I was out there, and John Wall, the guy who coincidentally came out and, and see, you know, talked about wanting LeBron and Kobe to stand up and, and say something right now, you know, John was in town, and I, I, let, I sat there and told him about the meeting. So things like that certainly made you shake your head. I mean, I looked at that and said, you know, you're in town. There's not really an excuse to, to not take part. But, you know, in general, not shocked. And, and it does sound like they're probably going to have a universal meeting at some point and try to get, you know, a much larger group. In the meantime, and I know this isn't happening widespread throughout the NBA, but you've got a team like the Denver Nuggets, and they've got three players that have signed to play in China. J.R. Smith, Wilson Chandler, and I believe Kenyon Martin. And those are guaranteed contracts for the year, so they're not coming back until March. So if there is a season, Denver has lost three pretty important players to their team. Are we going to see this with other teams, or is Denver kind of a rarity in this, in this case? I think they're a rarity, and, and mainly because you know the stuff that I've been hearing, a lot of you know reporters who are on the same beat right now, um, if you had to pick a side, you'd probably say that a deal gets done sooner rather than later. And I think the players and uh, are, are getting the same, you know, buzz and getting the same kind of vibe. In fact, yesterday, you know, Chris came and tweeted. I don't know if you saw Brian, but he tweeted that you know his insiders were telling him it looks like they'd have a, whole, a full season. Um, so that would, if you're a player, that would obviously uh, not inspire you to to jump ship and go overseas and do what the Nuggets guys have done. So I think it'll be an aberration. It is pretty fascinating how. You know, it's been, you know, guys on one team. I don't know if, if it's completely coincidental or if they, you know, if they had a powwow and they decided uh, that's what they were going to do. I mean, it is a big deal for Denver. That's, you know, JR's a guy that wasn't necessarily coming back. Uh, you know, he was going to be a free agent. But the, uh, Kenyon was a, a huge part of what they do. Wilson Chandler was a guy that, you know, a big piece of that Carmelo Anthony trade. So, uh, yeah, they were going in the right direction. Now all of a sudden, uh, you know, they've got some holes. Let's talk about next steps. So let's say, let's put on our positive thinking hats that today the meeting goes well, and now you're the owners, you've got to sell this to the rest of your ownership group. You're the players, you've got to sell this to the union. How quickly can that happen? Is Are we talking you know, in the next week or two, or do you think we're talking, hey, we might carve into some of the preseason and, and miss some of that? Well, I think we're already fairly close to carving into the preseason. You know, It seems like this week, uh, you know, and it's just approximations, but that this week is kind of the drop dead, uh, whether or not you cut into training camp, um, you know, uh, timeline. And so next week, if there's nothing by the end of next week, you know, my understanding is that then you're talking about preseason games um, or maybe the next week and a half. So uh, how quickly should it come together? I think you could have, you know, an agreement in principle within the next week. That would be absolute best case scenario. Uh, you know, they say it goes well today. They got to go back to the respective corners. Obviously, last time that didn't go well at all, especially on the owner side. Um, so that's base case scenario. Um, you know, worst case is, you know, if they go back and, and, and again on the owner side, you've got a handful of 
of people who want to keep talking about it. And, and all of a sudden, you know, we could be three, four weeks down the road and, and still be talking about this. I just don't see, I've said this all along, I don't see what leverage the players have at this point. I think they're going to have to take a deal sooner than later. And if they don't, they're not only going to cost themselves money for this year, but it's going to be, you know, they're going to cost themselves money for the, the future as well. Do you agree with that? I do. Excuse me, guys. Uh oh. We don't want Sam choking on the radio right now. I'm sorry, Brian. <laughs> Get something to drink uh, there, Sam. Well, that was, I'll be honest, that was the problem. Uh oh. Um, no, I do, I agree with that. You know, and, and I think you and I talked before, I wrote about a month ago, a uh, month and a half ago, that the players were in a tough spot. They had no leverage. Right. And uh, the only, the only, you know, part of my stance on that that has changed is maybe warming to the idea that the owners in Stern um, actually do care about the momentum that the league itself had. And, and so the only leverage the players have is the idea that they, I think on the PR front, they can successfully turn the owners and David Stern, you know, they can put the black hats on those guys. They can turn them into villains and tell the public that, you know, hey, we've, we've already given up 200 plus million dollars annually in this, you know, in this deal. And, uh, and these guys just won't come to an agreement. So that's the only leverage I see is the idea that the owners, uh, you know, with LeBron and Miami doing what they're doing and Oklahoma city and so many storylines. Um, I just keep hearing that, that both sides that's on their radar. They don't want these storylines to, to get cut off and derailed and, and have to, you know, uh, just kind of rebuild the, the good favor that the league had coming off of last season, which was a, incredibly successful but other than that you're dead on the owners have all the leverage um and i'm surprised that we're even talking about a deal maybe getting done to be honest i thought the players would dig their heels in a little more and and uh you know all they've done is consistently move off their mark and and give more and more well we'll find out more after today's meetings they're going on about four hours right now so you know just one more thing on this so fans understand this a hard cap is going to change the look of the nba the way I understand it, Sam, is you're not going to be able to have teams like the Miami Heat, the Boston Celtics, even the L.A. Lakers anymore with three superstars on a team. A team like Miami, you're not going to be able to afford to have LeBron, Dwayne Wade, and Chris Bosh on the same team. I know this will probably be a phase-in over five to seven years from what I've been told, but it's going to change the way the league looks. Yeah, no, it will, although I, I'm still skeptical that that it uh... – that it you know gets done in that form, uh, but if it did go that route, if they got any version of a hard cap or anything close to a, a legitimate you know I mean obviously the extreme measure was a forty five million dollar hard cap, which just to to give the context there you know they currently have a fifty eight million dollar soft cap and a, a seventy million dollar luxury tax threshold, um, so it would be extreme, and uh, and yeah you're right I mean I wrote last summer that you know Miami. The Miami three would probably be the Miami one. Uh, you just can't afford to have superstars like that. Um, and again, though, I you know I was buying it a year ago that they blow it up to that extent. Now I feel like they you know they 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 don't want to have that traumatic of an effect on the league. And uh, you know there's middle ground to be had there. Well, I appreciate the update. Always a pleasure to talk to you, Sam Amick with SI.com, NBAconfidential.com. How can people follow you on Twitter? Because I know you tweet prolifically. 
I appreciate it. Just uh, at Sam Amick, S-A-M underscore A-M-I-C-K. And, uh, and hopefully I'll be tweeting in a few hours uh, with some progress on the labor front. That would be good news if we had that. Thanks for joining me, and uh, I'm sure we'll catch up next week with the latest from the labor front. Thanks, Brian. Appreciate it. Thanks, Sam. This is Sports Business Radio with Brian Berger. More of the show is coming up. Hi, this is Brian Berger, host of Sports Business Radio. It's no secret that we're battling a tough economy these days. It's more difficult than ever for companies to position their brand in a unique way and reach their target audience. Sports Business Radio can help you, though. Sports Business Radio is syndicated in markets nationwide. Our popular podcast is regularly rated in the top 100 business news podcasts on iTunes and has listeners around the world. But our radio network and podcast aren't the only places your company will receive exposure when you join our family of sponsors. We'll also give you exposure via sportsbusinessradio.com and at our new Sports Executive Speaker Series events, which feature a conversation with a key decision maker from the world of sports in front of a live audience. And best of all, we can expose your product to the big-name guests that appear on our show. We'd love to have you on our team. Please contact me at brian at sportsbusinessradio.com or at 503-701-2215 if you're interested in becoming a sponsor of Sports Business Radio. The website is sportsbusinessradio.com. We're back, and I'm joined by Jason Cole, NFL insider for Yahoo Sports. Jason, how are you? I am fantastic. What's going on? Nothing. Just always happy to catch up with you and talk some NFL. I want to ask you about this faking injury story that's coming out. We saw in the Giants-Rams game earlier this week, two Giants players, it looked like they had been shot. They go down simultaneously to try and slow down St. Louis's hurry-up offense. This has been going on for a while, though, hasn't it? Oh, 20 years. I mean, that's, this is nothing. This is nothing new. The Giants just or absurdly bad at doing it. Two <laughs> guys faking it. At, or, or, you know, usually there's a signal in the huddle that one guy's supposed to do it at a particular time. And people remember like the, there was the game where Indianapolis was playing against New England when William McGinnis faked an injury. I mean, it, look, it happens all the time. So this is nothing. This is nothing new. It's just a bit of gamesmanship, and and it's pretty easy to solve. I mean, you can probably come up with some kind of timeout penalty situation. Or if a guy gets hurt during a, during a series, you make it so that he can't return to the game within, say, five plays or an entire series or whatever you want to do. So you can put some kind of stipulation out there to fix the problem uh, if, if, you have some, uh, if you have people faking injuries and do some kind of penalty. The only problem you have is, like, sometimes the guys do legitimately get hurt. And when they do legitimately get hurt, uh, you have to be able to stop the clock. So Right. Yeah, there there has to be there has to be some kind of strike of balance in that situation. And, and and the other thing is, you know, the the other thing is, other than subbing out the guy who's injured, you shouldn't be able to sub anybody else out. And one of the reasons why teams do that is they want to be able to, because they're in bad personnel, they want to be able to sub in some different personnel at right. the time. 
And other than just getting a breath or, you know, or slowing the game down, they also want to get in a different person. So don't allow a substitution in that moment. What about some of the fines we saw this week? We saw Dante Robinson fine $40,000 for his hit on Eagles wide receiver Jeremy Macklin, and then two defensive players fined $15,000 each for hits on Tom Brady and Ben Roethlisberger. I don't think that's enough money. I don't know that that's going to discourage anyone from those types of hits. What do you think about that, Jason? Well, $40,000 is, is a pretty good chunk of change, even for a guy who's making $10 million a year, because that's, uh, that's pre-tax cash. Uh, so you're not – actually, I'm sorry, it's, it's post-tax cash. So you really actually get hurt pretty pretty hard on that one. Uh, yeah, I, I look, players don't like it. You know, could you up the fines? Sure. But, look, these, these things are always going to happen, and you just have to deal with the fact that guys are going to get too aggressive in certain situations. Sometimes it's hard to clean up. You find them, you try and take care of it, you can try and send a message around the league. But understand that, guys, you know, this is going to happen on a regular basis. Look, it's football, all right? It's not an unaggressive sport, okay? It, it requires this kind of action to play it effectively. And sometimes guys are going to cross, cross the line on it. And we'll sit there and we'll talk about it and ask if guys get fined enough or not enough and, and, you know, go back, and go back to square one and have them play football again the next Sunday. We're joined by Jason Cole of Yahoo Sports. You can find him on Twitter at Jason Cole Yahoo. I found it interesting this week that Jay Cutler came out and said he doesn't know if he can make it through a full schedule. He got sacked six times last week against New Orleans. You know, it seems, Jason, in this day and age, if you don't have a really quality backup quarterback, you're in big, big trouble. Yeah, you are in big trouble, although it's interesting. I mean, Jay Cutler is probably not the guy who should be saying that, given what happened in the playoffs last year. Right. It does make him sound like a whiner. Uh, I will say this about Cutler. You know, getting hit that many times, and Mike Mars is start to have to start to take notice of this at some point in time, that you can't get your quarterback hit this often, and you have to do something to protect him. And Mars can't be sending five guys you know, out on patterns every single down. He's got to do some kind of, you know, at least – not, not if not maximum protection situ- situations, at least something a little bit more to make sure that Cutler doesn't get hit every single time, because he puts way too much pressure on the quarterback and his offense to get rid of the ball quickly. Uh, he's been, you know, Mars has been lucky that he had guys like you know, you know, Kurt Warner in the past who could do that and get rid of the ball exceptionally quick. But Cutler's not, you know, he's not at that level. I mean, he's a great, he's a fine player, and you know, I'd, I'd take him and try and win with him. In a lot of regards, in terms of talent, I'm not big on his personality. But from a talent standpoint, he's fine. You know, the issue there is that he's just not going to get rid of the ball as fast as some guys who are really better at running that Mars offense. And I think Mike has to learn to adjust to that rather than having the players adjust to him. Speaking of getting hit, Michael Vick got hit in hard last week. It was kind of a freak play. It's smacked around by his own offensive lineman. Do you think that the Eagles need to change some of their play calls to protect Michael Vick better? No, they need better players. The players are, you know, their offensive linemen are awful. They're just, they're just, they're tragically bad. And so, yeah, you can't fix that now, I guess. Uh, And you would say change the play calls, but they designed an offense to take advantage of everything that Michael does. And, yeah, you know, his ability to move. I mean, I, I guess you could say we'll do a few more sprint outs one way or the other, so that you're or at least running away from some of the some of the pressure. 
But even then, you're going to leave them exposed that if they decide to run a delayed blitz into the open area when as soon as he takes off, yeah, you know, he's going he's he's going to take some hits. Yeah, they just they got they got pure talent gap, and I think that no matter what kind of offense they try and run, they're going to have problems just because their offensive line is so shoddy. It's always interesting to me when teams invest so much money in the skill positions, but then they don't invest any money on the people that protect the skill positions. Well, it did. I mean, they made the trade for Peters, okay, you know, two years ago. And they spent, a, I think, a second-round draft pick on Winston Justice, and they took a center in the first or second round. I'm, I'm trying to remember who it was. I mean, they have expended a lot of resources to get offensive linemen. The problem is they picked the wrong guys. So this happens sometimes. You can expend all the resources you want, but sometimes if you just don't take good players, you're stuck, and that's where they have, that's where they have made their mistake. We're joined by Jason Cole, NFL insider for Yahoo Sports. Find him online at yahoosports.com. Jason, how surprised, and maybe you're going to say I'm not surprised at all, how surprised are you by Cam Newton's first two games in the NFL? Oh, man, that, that's awesome. <laughs> it's just awesome. It's fantastic. And I'm shocked. Look, you could have had it. You could have told me this is Andrew Luck as the number one overall pick this year. He had decided to come out this year after all. And it could be as a kid as talented and accomplished as Andrew Luck. And I would have been shocked uh, by this kind of play. I mean, this is, it's awesome. It's over the top. It's, it's great to watch. It's athletic. It's fun. It's fast. Uh, and it shows a tremendous amount of dedication on the kid's part. I mean, this is not a fluke thing. You don't just do this. You, know, you, you don't just pull a rabbit out of the hat. And, and all of a sudden you're doing this kind of thing. I mean, he's done this. This is a this is a testimony to his willingness to work and to learn the offense and do and, and put in the time that it takes to be great this fast. Now, I know he had the three interceptions. It's the Green Bay Packers. It was a competitive game. He made it competitive. They had a 13 to nothing lead in that game. Uh, I know it was the Arizona Cardinals in the first week, but he put them in a position where they could have maybe won that game. So, uh, you know, this kid has been fabulous. If you're a Carolina Panthers fan, you've got to feel great about your future. And, okay, he's not going to throw for 400 yards every game, but you're seeing a guy who has some huge upside, and that is a great, great thing uh, to, to have to build your franchise around. Well, and he and Steve Smith have really developed a nice combination already. Oh, yeah. I mean, like, look, Steve wanted out of there. And sometime between Steve wanting out of there at the end of last season – and finally, you know, getting to meet Cam Newton and work with Cam Newton during the offseason and really understand what was there, that, that, whole per, that whole perception by Steve Smith changed radically and made him want to stay. And that is, you know, Steve Smith is nobody's fool. He wants to play with serious football players who care about the game, who want to win. So I think, again, that is a testimony to Cam Newton and how, how much he means to our organization, that he could – completely changed the point of view of a guy like Steve Smith. Speaking of young quarterbacks, the Blaine Gabbert era begins this weekend in Jacksonville. What do we expect from Blaine Gabbert? I think I really like what you see out of Blaine Gabbert. He gets rid of the ball really quickly. Uh, you know, he's very decisive with the ball. I was very impressed with him. Yeah, he's just got some nuclear loose qualities still where you know, the ball comes out and it's, it's wild and all over the place on certain throws, especially when he, he breaks the pocket. He does a nice job breaking the pocket. Uh, and runs very, very well, especially for a guy his size. He's surprisingly athletic in that regard. Uh, but if he's 
taking off and he's trying to throw on the run, you know, there's a drastic difference between, say, him throwing on the run and a guy like Sam Bradford throwing on the run at this stage of their development. You know, Bradford does a really nice job of keeping his body under control and, and releasing a ball accurately while he's on the run. Gabbard has not learned that skill yet. Um, a lot of time when he takes off and starts to move in the pocket, uh, the ball just sails on him and takes off. And that, that's the one downside for him. Do you think that some of these teams have seen Sam Bradford last year, Newton this year, who knows what Gabbard's going to do? Maybe some NFL teams go, you know what, we don't have to wait anymore. We're going to draft a, a rookie quarterback, put him you know, behind center from day one, and, and let's see what he can do. Look, I'm, I, I was not a believer in that uh, even you know a couple of weeks ago before the season started. I was a believer in bring guys along slowly. You don't want to overdo it with, with guys. Cam Newton and Blaine Gabbard and all these and Sam Bradford have really changed my mind. And 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 all of a sudden they're like, hey, look, force them out there. You know, they're playing in sophisticated enough offenses at the college level, and they're throwing enough times at the college level where they should be used to it. Now, there are some exceptions where guys will struggle. And Mark Sanchez, you see, is really struggling, but he did play from day one still, and he needed to even though he had a very abbreviated college career, only playing in 16 games at the college level. But I think more and more you just say, you know, throw caution to the wind and just put a guy out there. You know, as long as you you know you can protect him or at least put him in situations where he's not going to get hit constantly uh, and get you know just get destroyed, have his confidence destroyed. If you know a guy is dedicated to his craft and is going to work at it, Put him out there, and let's see what can happen. A few minutes left with Jason Cole of Yahoo Sports. Find him on Twitter at Jason Cole Yahoo. Jason, if I said to you that the team in the NFL that is the most complete win healthy on both sides of the football is the Detroit Lions, what would you say? I'm not quite buying that, but they're probably not that far off. And surprisingly so. I mean, obviously. I mean, the corners are okay. You know, they're kind of mediocre. Uh, obviously, with Ndamukam Sue, they have a fa- fabulous player. Van and Bosch is really good. Uh, you know, the linebacking core is getting better. So defensively, they're fine. Offensively, they, offensively they're terrific right now, as long as Stafford is up, upright. I think the most important thing about Stafford is that I see that when he makes a mistake early in the game, I saw this against Tampa when he overthrew Calvin Johnson on, an, on a wide open touchdown pass. Uh, you know, he just got he got geeked up about the throw and released it too quickly and not accurately. Did the same thing as he was getting hit against Kansas City and when McGraw got the intercept, the cheap interception against him early in that game. He came back and really settled down quickly and didn't let those mistakes get to, under his skin affect his you know his mental approach at all. And it was much cleaner the rest of the game, both of those games. So. I think with Stafford, you're seeing a sensational young quarterback really making quick progress, and and that makes that offense go because they've got weapons between Johnson and Pettigrew and Scheffler, Burleson, uh, and Job at best in the back, in the backfield. You know they're going to score their fair share of points. What's the status of uh, Nick Fairley? When might we see him on the field? Not exactly sure. They're hoping sometime in the next two weeks. Uh, and once they get him out there and he's what they expect him to be, then all of a sudden that, that defense takes another st- uh, step up. So I- I'm hearing they're hoping within two weeks, but this one's been touch and go all the way along. 
the Bills, the Redskins, the Lions, and the Texans all unbeaten going into this weekend. Who are the real teams and who are the pretenders? Who can keep this up and who uh, do we expect to you know, maybe fall back a little bit? Oh, I expect Washington's going to fall back eventually. Uh, it may not be in this game. They may end up at 3-0 and after Dallas because Dallas is beat up right now. But I don't think they're for real. They just like, Rex Grossman is just Rex Grossman. And, uh, and he's not, he, in the perfect world, he's your backup, not your starter. So they're going to fall back. Uh, they've just taken advantage of the fact that they have great offensive play callers and game planners, and that has allowed them to take off early in the season for them with you know, Kyle and Mike Shanahan running the show. Uh, they also haven't seen a lot of zone coverage. That's why Grossman's had the kind of success he's had because he's just terrible at reading zone coverage. When teams get their zone coverages in line, I think it's going to be a lot harder for Rex Grossman at that point in time uh, to figure it out. Uh, I think that Houston is a good team. They're going to make the playoffs. They should walk away with that division because that division is so terrible. I'm not sure they're in New Orleans to class, so I would think that they would lose that game. Uh, Detroit Detroit is a real team. I don't know if they're a playoff team, but I think they're a 9- or a 10-win team, and it just kind of depends on how the chips fall uh, with the rest of the league. Uh, other 2-0 teams, I'm trying to remember who the we're Bills. talking about here. Bills are, Bills are sort of a poor man's version of Detroit. They don't have the kind of stars, but they have a great coach and they have a lot of people who buy into what the coach is selling. I love Chan Gailey's approach on offense. I love his play calling. He's got a lot of guys who have no choice but to buy in because they're just guys from out of nowhere like Fred Jackson who was undrafted, David Nelson undrafted, Steve Johnson, a seventh round pick, Ryan Fitzpatrick, seventh round pick. That's your, your the core of your, your, your skill position people. They have little margin for error. So whatever Chan Gailey says they've got to do and that's a good person to follow because Chan Gailey is pretty bright with what he does. So I think the Bills will hang around and probably win eight eight or nine games. But in that division, it's just too hard when you've got the Jets and the Patriots in front of you. Always terrific insight from Jason Cole of Yahoo Sports. He's their NFL insider. Find him online at yahoosports.com. Find him on Twitter at Jason Cole Yahoo. Jason, thanks for taking time to catch up. We'll talk to you soon. Anytime. Thank you. Stay in touch with SBR on Twitter, twitter.com slash SBRadio. It's the age of new media and citizen journalism. Everyone with a smartphone and a flip cam is a reporter and everything is on the record. I'm Brian Berger, host of Sports Business Radio, and I team with former Nike executive Lee Weinstein to form media training company Everything is on the Record. With a combined 40 years of experience dealing with the media and helping our clients craft authentic messages, we'll help you navigate the tricky media landscape that exists today. Everything is on the Record has provided media training to pro and college athletes, coaches and executives, as well as to government leaders and CEOs. We'll teach you how to break through the clutter with your messages, and we'll also assist you when you find yourself in crises. It's time for an innovative new approach to media training that best fits the world we live in today. For more information about Everything is on the Record, visit us online at everythingisontherecord.com. 
Contact us today to learn more about our innovative approach to media training and how we can meet your specific needs. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at everythingisontherecord.com. This is Sports Business Radio. The Green Bay Packers will hold a stock sale before the end of the year if they receive the necessary approvals. This according to multiple reports this week. The Green Bay Press-Gazette for one. And, Griggs, this is a cool story. You know, the Packers are one of the only teams in sports that are owned by the fans. They haven't offered stock since 1997. Last time around, they raised $24 million when they offered stock, $200 a share for the stock. Now, if you're a stockholder, you get a nice little certificate. You can vote on some things. It's not like you can go in and go, hey, make this trade, fire the coach. You know, you don't have a lot of say in the player personnel moves, but it's kind of cool to be a member of the community and own the sports franchise in your own backyard. And look how well it's worked for them. I mean, the Packers, just everybody in that, that state loves them. I mean, you see the crowd, they get into it, the Lambeau Leap, Lambeau Field's phenomenal. I mean, it's, it's an amazing setup they've done, and I'm sure they're going to just make a killing this time around, too. And they need a little bit of cash because they're going to be doing $143 million in upgrades to Lambeau Field. They're adding 6,600 seats. So, you know, last time around they raised $24 million instantly. This time around, I bet you the shares go for more than $200 a share. Their timing couldn't be any better. They're coming off of a Super Bowl win. They're so popular. So uh, it's kind of a cool story. We'll watch that one closely. All right. A lot of thank yous on the show this week, as always. Brian Griggs, Josh Blank, Jared Melzer, Darren Peck, Ron Barr, James Harris, and Doug Zanger. A podcast reminder. You can catch our show on demand via podcast every week. Just click on the iTunes icon on the front page of sportsbusinessradio.com, and you can have our show downloaded to your iPod every single week. If you're cruising through iTunes, just type in Sports Business Radio, and our podcast will come up. We're one of the most popular podcasts under the business news section on iTunes. Also, we're on Twitter. At SB Radio, just past uh, the 4,000 follower mark. So thank you to all the people out there following us on Twitter. More than happy to give you shout-outs and retweet things. So if you have something interesting, send it to me at SB Radio. For Brian Griggs, I'm Brian Berger. Next week on the show, we're expecting one of the greatest fighters ever. Sugar Ray Leonard is going to join me on Sports Business Radio next week. Make sure you stay tuned for that. Again, for Brian Griggs, I'm Brian Berger. Have a fantastic week. We'll talk to you next weekend right here on Sports Business Radio. Sports Business Radio talks to the people who call the shots in the world of sports. Brian Berger goes one-on-one with the biggest names. My guest is David Stern. He's the commissioner of the NBA. It is always a pleasure, Brian. Bill Hancock, he's the executive director of the Bull Championship Series. I'm happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Dallas Mavericks owner Mark Cuban. Mark, thanks for joining me. My pleasure. My guest is Mickey Loomis. He's the executive vice president and general manager of the world champion New Orleans Saints. Pleasure to be with you guys. Mr. Allen, thanks for joining me. Thank you. My guest is Mark Emmert. He's the president of the NCAA. Oh, happy to join you. My pleasure. My guest is Eric Spolstra. He's 
the head coach of the Miami Heat. Brian, appreciate it. Glad to, glad to be on the show. Mr. Nicholas, it's an honor to have you on Sports Business Radio. Thanks for joining us. My pleasure, Brian. Visit sportsbusinessradio.com and subscribe to our free iTunes podcast. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter and stay connected to the business side of sports only with Sports Business Radio.